When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We, we've, hit, we've hit the record button. <laughs> that will not make the podcast. But it could. It could. <laughs> Welcome to the a special edition of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm Gabe Ibrahim. Uh, I'll be your host slash point guard, I guess. Uh, we are currently in the dining room of the lovely Greensboro Coliseum where we all had a great week watching ACC basketball with the NC State taking the championship Today, we hope you're following us on social media at Her Hoop Stats for everything, but uh, let's get into it. Uh, we will, Everyone, introduce yourselves. Not not all at once. We'll go to M first. Hi, uh, I am M Adler. I'm here both with The Next Hoops and with The Chronicle, Duke's independent student podcast. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore A-D-L-E-R, and you can think of me on this pod as the 3 and D wing. <laughs> okay, Mitch. Yeah, I'm Mitchell Northam. Um, I write for The Next and WUNC locally, um, also Pittsburgh Sports Now, and occasionally The AP and a host of other outlets. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Primetime Mitch. Uh, wait, what position are you playing, though? Oh, uh, I'm big, so I'm the center. Okay. Marissa? Marissa Sisk, writing for also the other writer for Her Hoop Stats here in Greensboro, and I guess I'll be the bench player because I'm probably not going to talk as much. Our, our, our fire starter on the bench. Uh, <laughs> our Diamond Johnson, if you will. Uh, so guys, obviously we had uh, an excellent time here in Greensboro. Shouts to Greensboro for putting on an awesome tournament. I thought I was going to come in here and like write a story about how this should be in different places. I do not think that is the case anymore. Greensboro put on an awesome tournament. Shouts to the ACC and uh, our guy, Justin, for, for putting together a really, really nice spread for us. We had like Sour Patch Kids available at all times this week um but let's let, we'll talk about basketball uh before we talk about sour patch kids let's start with nc state the champions they kind of cruised through this tournament they beat florida state in what was the most lopsided game of the entire tournament 84 54 uh in the quarters in the semis they played a shorthanded virginia tech team and cruised past them by 15 and they beat miami going away really after a huge third quarter in which Lisa Kinane got hurt and the team still kind of motored through it. Uh, so I guess where we start here is, did this change 
your perception at all of NC State, them just kind of motoring through the ACC championship, and do you think it'll have an effect on their seedings, uh, M? So, I mean, yeah, just to lead off, it's hard to imagine NC State as being anything other than the three seed mm -hmm. coming into the tournament, unless they got to the championship. Number three overall seed. Yes. yes. Uh, unless they got to the, the championship and Louisville crushed them. Yeah. That didn't happen. And if anything, on their run, I think it was just from a perspective of, like, a third-party watching state. It was honestly a little disappointing yeah. in that really just the two matchups that could take them to task. You had Virginia Tech, AC Player of the Year, Elizabeth Kitley. She's injured in the game before. She didn't play against them. And Tech still gave them a hell of a game, but that matchup just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. State just pulled away in the second half. And Louisville, which gives everyone hell to a certain extent, knocked out by Miami a couple of rounds earlier. Electric game, but we just didn't get to see anything really challenging at state. Yeah, and I, I thought the Virginia Tech thing was super disappointing because, like, it would have been awesome to see the Kitley-Kunane matchup. Uh, obviously, Virginia Tech was also missing Kayla King in that game, and it, they just didn't have the horses to to stick with NC State. But, Mitch, what would you see with uh, the Wolfpack this week? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> to kind of echo that, um, NC State did what they were expected to do. I think they just did them against different teams than we expected to see them play. Yeah. Um, I think everyone sort of expected a rematch of last year's ACC final um, where you had NC State basically beating Louisville in the last couple of seconds of the game on that Reina Perez shot. Um, this year, Louisville did not show up because they got shocked by Miami in the quarterfinals. Um, and then we all kind of thought that, okay, well, maybe we're going to see a rematch of NC State and Notre Dame, which Notre Dame beat NC State um, in South Bend um, earlier this season. They only played one time in the regular season. So people were kind of looking forward to that. Like, okay, NC State's going to get another crack at the Irish. Um, again, the Hurricanes shocked Notre Dame um, and kind of made this run. And, yeah, you know, along the way, you know, that matchup against Virginia Tech is always a good one between these teams typically. Um because you have Kitley, you have Kune, and other than Kitley, I mean, Virginia Tech is just a really talented team. I think we saw that against NC State when they didn't have Kitley. I mean, Amor and Asia Shepard just kind of carried things for them and, you know, made it competitive through, I think, two quarters, and then that third quarter um, is when NC State kind of pulled away. Um, so, yeah, NC State, I think, as expected, was, was pretty dominant, you know, throughout the tournament. They're really only kind of parts where we thought things were maybe in doubt was, yeah, that second quarter against Virginia Tech. And then in the first quarter of day, you know, against Miami, Miami had, I think, a 12-9 a to 9 lead at some point. And then after that, State sort of pulled away. Um, so, yeah, they did what they were expected to do. Yeah, they'll probably get the, the number three overall seed and go to Bridgeport where who knows who they'll face. Right. What I will add is that for State it was a little bit different in that they're not doing what they did really two years ago and to a certain extent last year, which is just having to play through Kunain whenever the going got tough or even as their base offense. First team, all tournament, Jada Boyd, uh, the combo for just was excellent on both ends. Um, in, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes a game or whatever she played coming off the bench, she's really taken a leap this year. Uh, Raina Perez has obviously just been excellent for them this year. Diamond Johnson's been on a cold shooting streak for basically the past two months, but they've been able to get it done in spite of that. And it's just... It, it really speaks to what they've been able to do in terms of just getting production from spots one to six, seven, eight. No, yeah. I, I think Diamond also kind of um, she. I think against Virginia Tech, I don't remember her exact shooting numbers. I'm gonna look it up right now. I'll probably be proven wrong, but I thought she had a good game. No, she was three of nine. Okay, 
Never mind. Never mind. But I do the shots she does make and the things she does for this team are super important. Um, but she was one for seven in that in that Virginia Tech game, so she's still struggling from shoot, uh, shooting from deep. She made a couple in this game against Miami. Um, but Raina Perez was really awesome in that third quarter because Elisa Cunane actually went down with a, a twisted ankle. She seems fine. She came back into the game, played uh, the end of the fourth quarter, and was celebrating with her team. Um, but it seemed like when she went down, Perez just stepped up. And we, I asked her about it in the press conference, and she was just like, I was looking for my shot more. We didn't have to worry about getting it down to the post, worrying about the digs. So it, it was a lot easier for her to get to the elbow and hit that elbow jumper that she's really deadly at. So 12 points for her. They, I, I thought she was huge. But, yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't change my perception of them. Um, if Jada Boyd plays like she did against Virginia Tech, if she can do that consistently in the tournament, that could change things, right? But I think NC State solidly the the three overall seed. Did you want to say one more thing about NC State, Mitch? Yeah, um, I was just going to say if there if there's a cause for concern for NC State, I think it is um, getting Diamond Johnson to play up to her potential more consistently. We've seen her save NC State um, and really bail them out and control games for them a couple of times this year. That one over Louisville um, at home was a big one where. They go into the fourth quarter trailing by double digits, and Diamond and Jakia Brown-Turner just sort of go off. Um, yeah, Diamond has struggled um, Yeah, these past couple weeks, frankly. Um, today, she still didn't shoot all that well, three for eight, but she scored 11 points. She had three assists, three steals. She impacted the game in a positive way, I thought, which is, which is a good sign. Um, but last year, the problem for NC State was the depth. Um, this year, Wes Moore hit the transfer portal. Um, he's more confident in Jada Boyd and Camille Hobby. I mean, he really has a solid eight-person rotation, whereas last year I think he really stuck to his starting five a lot. Um, and then when Kayla Jones went down, you know, that's when things got tricky for them last year in the Sweet 16 versus Indiana. So um, I, I think just getting that depth that they've accumulated – to play better and more consistently and up to their potential is going to be key once they start facing some better competition in March. And even if need be, they've they have gone to Asai Jameson spots this year. And you know, she, she's a freshman. She mostly plays in garbage time, but she's looked really good. She had I think four threes in garbage time against uh, Tech the other day. But the one thing I will say, DJ is going to get back to her shot, even if even if it only comes in the offseason. She shot 55, 45, 90 as the point guard for Rutgers in the Big Ten, which is a league that is known for known for guard play, mm-hmm. and they are very good there. I will say that State, the one thing that I'm concerned about beyond DJ, and it's it might be a big concern, it might not be a big concern. We are going to find out, based on their draw, whether or not a team with Elisa Kunin as its best player can get to the Final Four. If they... If Louisville sticks to four seed and they get and they somehow end up with Baylor in their region, um, that's really really tough matchup for them. If they are against someone like UConn, I think that's an excellent matchup for State. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see. Yeah, I think a poor matchup for State. I think, like you said, it's very dependent on the draw. I think a poor matchup for State would be somebody like Baylor, who has a dominant um, four post player um, who can score inside and out. Um, they just really Tennessee might get in trouble too. Yes, Tennessee is is one mm-hmm. of those teams. They just really haven't faced that a whole lot in the ACC this year, um, aside for the couple times where you know they face Kitley. Um, but Kitley and Kunane tend to just sort of cancel each other out a lot of the times in those matchups. They won by two, and they went to. Um uh, Virginia Tech in the season. Yeah, and and that was a close game as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think a Nelissa Smith type of player could give State a lot of problems. Um, we just don't know because we really haven't seen it. 
It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun tournament. <laughs> well, right now, I mean, the, so I'm looking at ESPN's bracketology. Um, I know M, M has a <laughs> has problems with this, but um, they're they're in the Bridgeport region with uh, Iowa State as their two seed, and actually the four five seed I think here is Indiana, Oregon, and I think both of those teams are actually a pretty good matchup against NC State. Um, you know, Oregon obviously it just depends on what day you get them because yeah. who knows who's injured. But Indiana is a team that beat them in the Sweet 16. I think they're super deep. And but Indiana did lose to them when both teams were right. full strength early in the season by six or eight. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I will say, and and Cream has said this himself. Um, Charlie Cream, the one who does ESPN bracketology, mm-hmm. everyone, everyone and their mother expects UConn to end up in the Bridgeport as have the two be. seed. They have to be right. I just don't believe that the committee would ever send. UConn to a region that is not Bridgeport, even if it means dropping UConn to a three seed instead yeah. of a two. It is also worth noting that, like, if you just lay out how the seeds work, you have South Car- you have South Carolina one, Stanford two, NC State three, either Baylor or Louisville four, whichever one I didn't just mention five. Mm-hmm. UConn at six actually makes perfect sense, and putting them in Bridgeport as a two seed is actually probably like the most likely outcome. Putting them with state, even if it wasn't even even in Bridgeport. Well, they're projected as the two in Greensboro right now. Yes, I mean it's it's going to change. I just don't think that would happen unless the committee is just sort of hell bent on a elite eight matchup between South Carolina and UConn, because that's what that would be. I mean, they're projected awesome. wise. Yeah. I will specifically note just and, and, and just a quick note to wrap this up. Cream has Cream has said himself he's just going off of what the committee has put as its top sixteen out in their last right. release mm-hmm. and every and since that. For the committee is regionless. They're not projecting a bracket. It's that the committee did that without factoring geography. Right. So when they do, they will look at UConn. They will see Bridgeport. They will see UConn six. Yeah, I'm it, calling it, the it committee bluff. Yeah, yeah, we we have the Bridgeport region mainly for UConn, right? Like that is one of the big reasons why it exists. So it'd be really surprising to see them out. Now, here's the other thing, though. So let's talk. Let's talk Canes. We've gone. I don't know. We've gone uh, 10 minutes here without talking Canes. I know is, these 10 minutes, just talking about State and not talking about the Canes, must have been killing you. It, it really was. I was I was trying to be a journalist, because that's uh, first and foremost my job here. Uh, but my second job here is being a Canes fan. I have a really obnoxious Miami sticker on my laptop. It's so big. It's so big, because I always have a Miami sticker on my laptop, and this is the only one I had, because I just got this laptop. Uh, actually, it was so big that the Miami mascot could see it. He came over to me and was like pointing at the sticker and gave me a fist bump, Sebastian the Ibis. Sebastian the Ibis, also easily the best, most entertaining, and the best dancer of any of the ACC mascots. M gets it. M gets it. Okay. But the let's talk Canes because obviously we have to talk about the Louisville game because I think that's the craziest basketball game I've ever seen live. The Canes were down 15 with, what's the picture I keep posting, 437 left. Uh, they had a really bad turnover, and then they at, had... At that point, Louisville had a 99.9% chance to win, according to ESPN's win expectancy model. And the Canes stormed back. It wasn't even the Canes. It was Destiny Harden. Had 17 points on her own. It was 15? Julia Williams had a, had a pick six, and then Destiny Harden scored the last 15 points of the entire game, including a turnaround jumper with 1.3 on the clock directly in Haley Van Litt's face. Yeah, which afterwards she did the scream uh, post oh, with yeah. both hands on her face, 
just couldn't believe what had happened. But like Destiny Harden told us in the press conference, that was the matchup she wanted. And when she saw that Van Lith was going to guard her, she looked at Katie Meyer. Katie Meyer gave her a look, and they both knew that Harden was going to get the shot, and she was going to launch it over Haley Van Lith. What they didn't know is that it was going to go in and send the whole Greensboro Coliseum. Harden, to Harden a knew that shot was going in. That well, Harden knew that shot was going in for sure. <laughs> yep, Louisville switches on its um, on those on those kind of side screens, mm-hmm. and. You know, Haley Van Liss, I think around 5'9 or 5'10. Uh, Destiny Harden is not 5'9 or 5'10. <laughs> she was not getting that shot blocked. No, and she, she was just on one. I mean, it was one of the greatest performances. I'm going to do a video about that um, sometime this, this week because, honestly, one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. And, yes, I was cheering on press row. Why? Because we were all losing our minds. Everyone was collectively going crazy, uh, including Jeff Walls uh, and Louisville. But for, for Miami... Obviously, this run in the tournament cements them in the NCAA tournament that came in on the bubble. So they beat Duke, which is less impressive if you haven't been paying attention to Duke for like a month. It's a good name. It's a bad team. But that's good enough. And that was that was the first step. And then in the Louisville game, you know, we were saying, hey, if they lose by five, they're probably in. That, that, that was kind of the run that they were going on was to lose by five and get into the tournament. They end up winning that game. They end up beating Notre Dame. Those two wins are huge. Miami's going to be somewhere um, probably on the 8-9 line, I'm guessing. Maybe maybe they move up. Who knows what happens down there. Maybe they can move up even to 7, which would be fantastic for them. But the Canes, you know, there's a lot of cool basketball things and there's smart basketball conversations we could have. But I think Katie Meyer just gets the absolute most out of this team. They play with grit. They play with toughness. I've said it on the courtside podcast all season long like they never ever give up they lost one game by 46 points because unc got on them early and then since then they they lost their next game to notre dame and then they win uh, eight of their last 10 and coach meyer said that was such a huge turning point for them but i just really love how they just never give up they always are gritty and they're always playing hard on the defensive end because, good Lord, shots don't fall for them at times. It came to roost today a little bit against NC State. But I, I can't say enough about uh, how happy and, and proud I am as a University of Miami alumni to and, watch this happen. And even before that, uh, you, know, you know, the wins they had at the end of the season, and, mm-hmm. and, and just looking at those games, that, that, was not, that was not the easiest of schedules to, yeah. to end on. But even before those games... You look at their non-conference schedule. They played a tough non-conference schedule, and they didn't get many wins out of those tough games. But they lost to Indiana by two points. Yes. They they were within basically two or three points of Maryland up until the very end of the game, and that was a Maryland team. You know that Maryland team is tired and mm-hmm. is injured, but like but they were right there. Yeah. This is this is a team that has basically played competitively all season, and there are you can look at this being. I'm almost certain it's Miami's first ever ACC semifinal, let alone their very first uh, ACC yeah. championship game appearance. And you can look at that. You can look at their year-by-year record and what they've done with some teams and talent that were just, you know, several, several years ago. And you can say things, um, and, and you can put blame on, you know, in terms of talent or in terms, mm-hmm. of, or in terms of tournament performances on Katie Meyer. And certainly there are, there are flaws there. But the one thing that she always does with teams is if they're – is not top line talent. They're going to play like they do anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I told him that yesterday. There, there's nobody 
on that Miami team that plays scared. Um, and that's why I thought that they had a chance against, against NC State because there's nobody on that team that would be intimidated by Elisa Cunane or by Diamond Johnson or anybody. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to go into the NCAA tournament, and whatever matchup they get, they're going to think they can win it. Um, I mean, especially after this, this run they went on, and even before this ACC tournament, I, this is a team that swept Georgia Tech in the regular yep. season. Um, like like I mentioned, you know, they hung with Indiana. They hung with Maryland. They beat Tulane. Um, you know, they, they have some, some good wins. I thought their resume was probably solid enough coming into the tournament. Then they beat Duke. I thought, okay, they're in. The Louisville win, that, like you said, it cements it. And then the Notre Dame win, even more so. Um, so, I, I mean, they're peaking kind of at the right time. Today probably stings a little bit for them. Um, but, you know, beating Louisville and beating Notre Dame, that that would give a team the thinking that they can beat anybody. So they're going to be a tough out, I think, for teams. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Miami made the Sweet 16 or something. I, I could see it. I mean, I could also see them losing in the first round. I mean, I, I always Absolutely. every year I have a bracket with if Miami's <clears> in the tournament, I have a separate bracket where Miami's within the championship because I, you have to ruin you have to go with your dogs, right? But this team, they're really they're versatile. I, I think they have a lot of interesting pieces. I think their bigs are are super interesting. They couldn't stay on the floor today because uh, of foul trouble and and some you know I think Katie they, she got a little too cute with the rotations at times, uh, especially in that second quarter. But you know I, I think they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of versatility. Are they gonna be? Are they the best team in the in the country? No, but I, I agree with you. I think they could definitely make it to the Sweet 16, or they'll lose in the first round, right? So it's like, exactly. I, I, I love it. I love the way the team plays. They play super hard. And then that's just what, from a Miami perspective, as a Miami, as, a, as an alumnus, like, that's what you're hoping for from a ba- the basketball program. Because mm-hmm. Miami doesn't invest enough in the basketball program for it to be a national contender every year. But you can have players that work hard every single minute they're out there. Coming into the tournament, Miami had a, Miami's Quadrant 1 record. Um, so, as a very quick aside for reference, uh, the way the net is broken down is, that is everyone knows that net, the net is a total ranking, and that's what the, they use these days instead of RPI. Basically, what it also does is it breaks down games into quadrants, depending on whether you were home, neutral, or away, and you, the range that your opponent fell into mm-hmm. in their total net. The committee very notably does not evaluate teams by overall net. That is not used to seed. But what is used is their breakdown by quadrant. Miami coming into the ACC tournament, their quadrant one record was three and eight, which does which <laughs> will not get you into the tournament. Their quadrant two record was four and two. Also that. Yeah. Right now, we're setting a quadrant one five and nine, quadrant two five and two. That'll get it done. Oh, it gets them in, and that was a huge that was a huge deal because we saw, you know, there's a few teams coming into this weekend. Florida State, BC, Miami, that were really on that bubble. Um, and, you know, BC goes out against Florida State in that first round. That's probably it for them. That's probably mm-hmm. it for them. Probably. And then Florida State, you know, they, they who'd they beat? In, well, they beat BC. BC. They beat BC. And, and then, then they, they got shellacked by NC State. And they didn't put up a fight. So. Which, is, which is probably enough to, to get you in, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make your life easy. They're watching scores on the bubble, right? And Miami's yeah, sitting at home. I show. think Florida State is firmly on the bubble. Like, I, I don't – that's a toss-up team. I don't know if they're in or out. Um, like it, we'll we'll kind of see. It's a um, weird year for power, for for mid-level power five teams. Yeah, I wanted to point out. Um, you know, I was looking at kind of some of Miami's numbers um, that I was a little, little bit surprised by. Um, so they're 34th in defensive rating this year, and they're also 14th in steals. So that's just those don't surprise me. You know, kind of kind of speaks to you know that that defense that. Um, 
really help them through this tournament and help them shock Louisville. Louisville in this Louisville scored its last bucket of that game at the 545 mark. The rest of the way, they went 0 for 5 and had five turnovers. This is a Louisville team that took a 45 to 4 lead after 13 minutes against like a top 20 team yeah. in Notre Dame. And this is not the first time we've seen Louisville do this. They had this collapse against NC State. You mm-hmm. know, they were going into the fourth quarter in Raleigh up double digits and then they let Jakea Brown Turner and Diamond Johnson do Jakea Brown Turner and Diamond Johnson things. Um, and they lost. Um, we also saw this Louisville team kind of get stunned a little bit by UNC on the road where, um, you know, UNC and, and Louisville, they both, you know, played pretty good games. Um, but that's a game that Louisville should have won. They, sh- they shouldn't have been losing to UNC. Um, so we've seen this kind of Jekyll and Hyde of Louisville where they can do what they did to Notre Dame where they jump out to a 40-4 to lead and just absolutely blow away a team that's going to the NCAA tournament. And then we've seen them collapse um, against a team like Miami. Um, so that's a team that could make the Final Four. It's also a team that right now looks like, you know, if, if they get the wrong matchup, they could lose in the second round. Right. Um, so Louisville's got some things to figure out. Put, put Miami on Louisville's eight line. They're the one seed. <laughs> that'd be that'd be that'd be something else. But do you, actually, I, I think we should go there. Like, is Louisville still one seed? I mean, I'm guessing they still are. But it's a loss against a, a team that's not. You know, it's media, or, are you watching SEC championship? Game? No, no, no. Okay. I'll tell you. <laughs> we can we can have live reaction to whatever uh, thing is going on. I will I will explain very briefly. I just I just sort of did a, a pose very similar to the screen because I'm watching the A10 championship game. Basically, what happened was with a minute left, um, UMass was up by seven. UMass the four seed, um, the three seed of the four seed. I don't quite remember which. Um, I've been told it's a three seed. Um, Dayton's the one seed. Dayton has won six straight regular season championships and is overwhelmingly the favorite. Uh, essentially, UMass was up seven with like I said, literally a minute to go. Dayton hit a three. They are a team that can very much have a four-point comeback in uh, a minute, and they sort of got uh, a really bad call on them on the other end, and now they're down six with 35 seconds to go. That should be on the A-10, turning that into a two-bid lead. Two-bid league. Yeah. So, yeah, Dayton has to be in, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. But we can get back to Louisville. But as you were saying about Louisville, the thing about Louisville is they – Apart, apart from you know that game against NC State, and even then, the, the final line was quite close. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that game against UNC, UNC, again, top team tournament. They're, not, they're, they're probably not going to host games, but they're going to be really close to it. And again, that was literally a two-point game on the end. The thing about Louisville, they have played excellently all season, and they have some really good wins, and they essentially went through most of the ACC schedule like a hot, like a hot knife through butter. Mm-hmm. I think that recency bias is going to color us against that. Mm-hmm. It's very important to note that the, ter- that the selection committee does not care about recency bias. They, um, I don't know whether or not it's only in men's or in both men's wins that they essentially throw out your, your last several games. Well, they say that, but... It's hard to. Yeah, I... I would expect if, if Baylor or Iowa State, um, who are both tabbed as two seeds right now um, by ESPN. I think if either one of them run through the Big 12 tournament um, and get a couple quad one wins along the way um, in that, you know, one of them beats the other one or whether one of them beats Oklahoma or whatever it is, um, I, I think it's possible that, that one of them could jump um, Louisville for the one seed. The other two seeds right now projected by ESPN are UConn, which 
I just head to head, Louisville beat UConn earlier this year. Yes, they had some injuries, but it is what it is. Um, and I think if you just kind of look at the resumes, Louisville just has a better resume than UConn. And the other two seed right now is LSU, who had an early exit from the SEC tournament. So, yeah, I think the two that are in play are probably those two Big 12 teams. Um, can they make a jump and play impressively in their tournament and jump Louisville? Color me skeptical on Iowa State. I literally just don't see a path for them to sure. to yeah. be even a top half of the you know what, never mind. If they win the Big 12 tournament, then then like the, the, the five or six seed, sure, that would make total sense. I don't see the path to them hosting games. Baylor, if they run through if they run through the Big 12 tournament and they win it again, then I think absolutely then they're moving in. Especially because just looking at their losses, you know, um, they had a three point loss to Maryland. Maryland's a good team. Maryland's gonna be hosting games. At Maryland, too. At Maryland, at Maryland. especially. They had um they had the loss in overtime to Michigan. Again, that's an overtime. Um, they to start off Big Twelve plays, this is like the first week of January. They lost to Kansas State, but overall in Big Twelve play, and Big Twelve is, is the Big Twelve is going to send six teams to the tournament, which is sixty percent of the league. They are arguably the most competitive conference this year. Astoundingly. Second highest average HSS rating as of be- before the tournaments. That is absolutely incredible given where the Big 12 has yes. sat in recent years yes. as essentially a one or two big league. But they ended up splitting with Kansas State despite that, or, or, despite that early loss. Mm-hmm. They swept Texas convincingly. They absolutely decimated Iowa State in the two games they played. The average margin of win was over 25 points in those two games, I believe, or, or right around there. And they... The one blemish there is they got swept by Baylor. Both of those games Oklahoma. were... Oh, sorry, Oklahoma. Yeah. Thank you. They are Baylor. Both of those games were one or two-point games. Baylor right now sits as the one seed because they have locked up the regular season championship in the Big 12. Sitting at the four seed and the five seed because everyone else has played their games is Oklahoma and Kansas. Oklahoma just lost to Kansas. They're going to have a rematch in the second round of the tournament. If Oklahoma wins that, they face Baylor. Baylor can get their revenge. That'll take... You know that that close but sweep at the hands of at the hands of the Sooners off of their res kind of off their resume, yeah. and that, and I think that's right there where Baylor is has a convincing jump over Louisville. Yeah, what? I think ba- if ba- if Baylor's path to the Big Twelve tournament championship includes a win over Oklahoma, yes, I, I think they absolutely have a case, um, a strong case to to jump Louisville for the one. Yeah, the thing about Louisville though is like it, depending on how much the committee wants to parse it out, you know they. They could just say, "Hey, that Miami lost a complete fluke, right?" You, you, there's, you could play a Miami game a hundred times, and literally, that's only going to happen once. Well, I guess ninety nine point nine percent would suggest it would happen less than once if you played a hundred times. <laughs> so, you know, I think if they want to, they can just say, "Hey, we're going to gloss over that, put Louisville in the one seed." Um, but you know, you brought, and brought up the point that putting Baylor on the one line makes uh, better. Are we watching this championship game? We are watching this championship it, championship game in which Ryan Howard just inbounded the ball to Dre Una Edwards, who took one dribble and hit a reverse layup on Leah Boston. Kentucky is now down three points with a minute thirty-seven to go. Woo! Timeout, South Carolina. Woo, folks. It was fourteen to start the quarter. That's a lot more. There's no way that South Carolina is not well. South Carolina is the wanna, South Carolina is the number one seed, regardless of regardless what happens. What happens okay. We think so. Are we sure? A hundred percent. Do you I think Stanford? You think Stanford? No. Pac twelve is well, jumping them. Well, I just sort of wonder if South Carolina loses this game. Let's say there's ninety seven seconds left. Would they? Would they flip NC State and South Carolina and give NC State Greensboro, considering 
So I think that'd be a good idea because could it, considering NC State did what it was yeah. supposed to do, and South Carolina maybe did not. South Carolina, the team that opened the season with an eight point win in Raleigh. Sure. South Carolina, who has who has beaten, I want to say by an average margin of around eight and a half points. Looked at this maybe a month ago. They have beaten Stanford. They have beaten Tennessee. They have beaten UConn by seventeen. Yeah, they, UConn at full strength by seventeen. Sure. That was not a fluke. They have they have destroyed everyone. No, I, I think they well, should they didn't be. destroy Missouri except Mizzou. <laughs> Who, at the very least, they went to overtime with. So, yeah. f- from a money perspective, though, if I'm the NCAA, I'm like, we could send South Carolina Bridgeport because their fans travel probably among the best in the country, and then we get that. And, UConn, those, fan- and those fans will be pissed. Those fans will be pissed, so they will travel, and then you could put you uh, NC State here in Greensboro and have them. Um, are you not watching? Do you have on your? Oh, I was wondering what you guys were both watching. Because no, you we're guys watching. look a lot more interested than I did during a timeout. Uh, I, we might be at a different time. That's why I'm not going to give. Yeah. Yeah. We're at forty three point nine seconds. Aaliyah <laughs> Boston missed it. Oh, oh, I'm like a minute behind you, I guess. I'm just on the stats. I'm at forty three seconds. <laughs> Train average layup, and Kentucky's down one. Yes, that okay. We we are. <laughs> em is way behind. This. So M, you give you give the updates as they come because we're going to be seeing them before you. Oh, uh, this is the joys of live podcasting. Um, so I, I, do we have anything else on Louisville? Uh, shouts to Emily Angsler, who she should have had what seven assists. More than that, <laughs> and she had, she ended up yeah. with two, and there was like five record scratches for uh, Louisville off just an aw- some awesome skip passes. Good for her. Um, wish we got to see. Well, actually, I don't wish we got to see more of her. I'm I'm sure uh, other people <laughs> wish that they got to see um, more more of her. One more thing about Louisville, yeah. um, Haley Van Lift not playing so well lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in the Miami game, shot two for ten, had four turnovers, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously I, I don't think there was really anything much more she could have done about it. But you know, Destiny Hardy did hit the game when he shot on her. Um, I, I think for them to be successful in the tournament, she kind of has to refine her groove a little bit and um, be a little bit more consistent. We've seen her play some great basketball games this year, and she she never lacks confidence. Um, I really like kind of the swagger that she plays with, mm-hmm. um, but just need to see her shot fall a little bit more and see her passes not turn into turnovers. Yeah, that was a very minor point of contention between um, uh, between you and me the other day. I think despite the shot not falling, her process just in terms of playmaking, in terms of you know. De- Defensive attention, the ability, the ability to help, has really, t- has really taken flight in this latter half of the season. I think that, that that that's a great omen for her, even if the the shot isn't falling nearly as much. I think just given her physicality, given her strength, given her um, agility and lateral quickness, she has to stop. I mean, she has to stop playing like Kiana Smith mm-hmm. and just play with the physicality that she has. I mm-hmm. mean, she is strong. Yes, she is strong. Uh, so here we go. 37 seconds left. Ryan Howard has the ball. This is riveting radio for people who already know what has happened. But um, we, I am not going to be able to talk with this happening in the background. (laughs) Got to finish off this game. Sorry. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) And Kentucky has turned it over. Oh, no. South Carolina calls timeout. 18.3 on the clock. South Carolina has possession. Okay, so we should have like a minute before we get to the next play. All right. Uh, let's get let's get over to the other game of the weekend that Louis, the Miami Louisville game uh, going down forever in in my heart at least and certainly I think it's going to be talked about for a long time here in Greensboro. Um, I think the second best game of the weekend was probably Virginia Tech North Carolina. Yes, um, where Georgia Amore stole stole my heart yet again as she has all season and, and she, she stole a bunch of passes and, and she stole a bunch of passes and Virginia Tech gets over um, North Carolina did. 
when did Kitley go down? Kitley went down in second the second quarter. In the second Ooh. quarter, I think eleven minutes into the game. So yeah, yeah. she she came back very briefly. Correct. Right. Yeah, she, she got came hurt back in the first, tried, and then came out in the second and wasn't seen again. Mm-hmm. Right. So she she was out for most of this game, and Virginia Tech just like willed their way to a victory. That being said, it was a pretty good time against North Carolina, right? That's a, that's a decent matchup if you don't have Kitley. But Amor, Shepard, both with 22 points. Keanu Trailer had 19 points. Those guards for Virginia Tech were awesome, and I actually really liked the looks that they were able to get into. They usually go four, four out, one in with Kitley, and they were able to go totally five out. Um, and Kenny Brooks was just you know creating plays on the fly and, and really doing some awesome stuff from on the on the clipboard. But Virginia Tech, I think, obviously Kitley going down is, was terrible for them. She seems like she'll be okay for the tournament. Same with Kayla King, um, who's another starter for them. It, it seems like they're both going to be okay for the tournament. As long as they're okay, I think this team has a lot of potential mm-hmm. to make a run in the tournament. Yeah, they're another one that I, I think they're kind of matchup dependent. But I think the thing that they showed against North Carolina and for about a half against NC State was that there is, they can be successful um, without Kitley or if Kitley mm-hmm. is not at her best. I mean, Georgia Amor and Asia Shepard and Keanu Trailer too, yeah. um, especially against NC State. She just kept going inside and inside mm-hmm. to the basket. Um, I think she was 9 for 9 from the line against NC State. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- those are two tough teams, um, you know, to get wins over when you don't have the player who was voted ACC Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and another starter in Kayla King, who you know is is a pretty good kind of three and D type of player. One of the best three point shooters in the entire conference. Yep. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, Georgia Amor, I think, is taking a step forward. I think we're kind of seeing it happen. Um, and Asia Shepard, as we know, has long been you know one of the best three point shooters in the conference. Um, the only other thing. I wanted to say about Virginia Tech is, um, you know, Kenny Brooks talked about, you know, when Kitley went out, he kind of described it as, you know, we didn't really have any, uh, you know, schemes or anything. It was just kind of backyard <laughs> basketball um, because for so long they they're sort of like NC State. They kind of mm-hmm. run this this four out one in system, um, you know, around Kitley. So yeah, I, I I think this team has a lot of potential. They have a lot of talented players. Um, I'll be interested to see where they get seated. I think the ESP. ESPN projection right now has them as the five going to Maryland. Um, yes. And I think a second round matchup between Maryland and Virginia Tech would be very interesting. Oh, um, so considering that Maryland uh, really doesn't have size whatsoever. And so Elizabeth Kitley going against uh, Angel Reese has had a great season, but Elizabeth Kitley going against Angel Reese, um, I think that could be problematic for Maryland. The only thing that does help Maryland in that is, is that their host of guards. So, you know, yes. Diamond Miller is a wing. Their host of guards are do not put pressure on the rim in general. So, like, you know, with the size advantage they would have, it wouldn't be a problem in the sense that they're always playing with a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I would like to see uh, Georgia Amor versus Ashley Awusu. Uh-huh. That would be really South Carolina oh. misses both shots at the rim. Both shots at the line. Sorry, both shots at the line with 11 seconds left. Kentucky has the ball. Timeout, oh, Kentucky. Down, foul. Down oh, one they got fouled. Whoa, Nelly. Sideline out of bounds. So, 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 back on UNC Virginia Tech, I will offer. Three things. Okay. They'll offer a victory lap, a troll, and a piece of analysis. Okay. 
Victory Lab, Mitchell can attest to this. Last year, starting in like mid-February, not this season, last season, I was saying Georgia Amor is going to be it. Georgia Amor was on my preseason All-ACC ballot. She, was, she shot over 40% last year as a true freshman in the ACC. Yeah. She was an incredible 3 and D player last year, despite, despite standing only at 5-5. And this year she's just gotten significantly better. She has developed the ability to take it to the rim. She's increasing her percentages as season went on. And for a player of her caliber who is so good at probing dribbles, that unlocks literally the entire court for her. And she is just the, the sky's the limit. Just given yes. her ability on on both ends, there's not a lot of players who are genuine threats on both ends the way she is. My my next thing is the Courtney Banghart, three years at UNC, very talented teams the past yeah. couple of years. She's 0 and three in the ACC tournament. My piece of analysis. <laughs> the thing about the thing about Kitley going down is if they're playing NC State. NC State has a center who can provide the engine for offense. Yeah. She often does when they need it, but not always. Oh, sorry, Leah Boston's putting it in a contact. And I, like that stuff, I can't see people touch their eyes. <laughs> so I'm sorry for wincing at your point. I was not <laughs> wincing at what you were saying. No, you're fine. But there are teams like Virginia Tech. There are teams like NC State. Um, there are teams, it's kind of hard in the ACC to think about other ones because this is really not, this is a conference that isn't strong at center, but of those two. Yeah. There are teams that, like Maryland, like you just mentioned, there are teams that, they can, if there's a mismatch there, they can just start posting up their center. They could, they can clear out one side, give them an empty side, and let them go to work an ISO. There are ways that some players, if they have a good matchup, can ramp up their usage and make things happen. Problem with UNC mm-hmm. is that the tallest player on that roster who can do that, who can, who can be a focal point, at, just in theory can be a focal point. That's Alyssa Usby, all ACC player. She's great. Actually, can do so much stuff. The problem is she doesn't play center. She's 6'1". Yes. They have a 6'2 center, which, as you guys should know, is not a center. Oh, my God! Oh! Edwards! <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky by two in four seconds! <laughs> wow. Uh, that was awesome. Oh, right, South Carolina's on so Tomas. South Carolina's on Tomas. They're two. not going to get it past half court. No, no. One shot. Oh, rims oh. out! Kentucky wins! Kentucky wins the Seven SEC. Seven seed Kentucky. Kentucky for, gets for the, the past, AQ. For the past five weeks, sorry, for the past five games, the past wow. week, Kentucky has taken a poor shooting team, shot the ever-living crap out of the ball, all the way to an SEC championship. So I guess Ryan that's, Howard, my goodness. I guess that's our lesson to not count out Kentucky. Um, <laughs> I guess. I don't think the lesson is to not count out Kentucky. I think the lesson is to not count out a team that can run through Ryan Howard. Ryan sure. Hunter. Yeah, I so I just Kentucky is a team that you know I'm an AP top 25 voter and it's been a while since I've had Kentucky in my ballot. I literally have not. Considered um, I just yeah I just didn't really see it all year. Um, but oh when God. you have Ryan Howard, uh, you can do things like that. You can beat South Carolina in the SEC uh, championship. Oh, Kyra Elsey, that's shot. awesome! Wow, that is awesome for Kentucky. Congratulations, oh them. Ken- you know- K- Kentucky, for reference, like could have, like I, I don't want to say could have, probably was out of the SEC tournament if they didn't win a game. Yeah, yeah. Or sorry, probably was out of the NCAA's if they didn't win a game. They now have the AQ. No, and that is amazing for them. I mean, you, we saw in the middle of the season, right? It seemed like this team was dead. They lost what eight of the eight of nine games at some point uh, in this season. And they didn't. And. You know, I will say there there were some quality wins towards the end of the yeah. season. Uh, they decimated Arkansas, and, Ar- and Arkansas is a team that is very good. Mm-hmm. They're match dependent, but they're but they're but they're getting a net large okay. easily, and they're a very good team. But Kentucky didn't have a particularly tough 
like they their end of the SEC regular season wasn't exactly like a huge tournament. Right. There wasn't a major point for that team. They just shot the crap out of the ball in this tournament. But that's what you need to do. Like honestly, absolutely. That, that is like the most important thing when you're looking at a team that's getting hot in March. Like if the ball is falling, and honestly, it kind of sucks for them that they have a week off now. Um, but they they win ten straight games and win the SEC championship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, so uh, we can. I can. I think we can lock in Ryan Howard for the for the number one seat. Obviously, the entire Mystics coaching staff is there. Uh, we have, yeah, allegedly. Yeah. We have reportedly. now cr- critical support to, to Kentucky, the Comrade Wildcats, who who have now gotten more more games to appreciate Ryan Howard and caused Mulkey to throw a severe temper tantrum. Yes, which was amazing. Was, Just great, great stuff, Kentucky, from all of it, from all of it. Yeah, <laughs> the Matt, Matt Allen Tuck tweeted, let the tournament start tomorrow. Damn, Big 12 making us wait. Actually, what is making... That's make going to be crazy. Huh? It Kansas is. City's going to be crazy. But what what is holding us up? Like, wh- why exactly is there a week between the end, like... A, well, you, well, your options are you can have the four tournaments that we've been going over this week, which has driven us in crazy trying to watch all the great games, including these ones, um, while covering the one that we are ostensibly ob- being paid to cover. Yeah. We can do that, and then we can have stuff in the background like the like the A10, which shouldn't be in the background. They'd be great this year. Like the A10, like uh, the West Coast Conference, which is going to send somebody mm-hmm. to like a five seed this yeah, year. Yeah, big South Championship tonight. Camelwood. Camelwood. Let's go. At Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte. That sound was a clap. It doesn't get more South time. than that. <laughs> <laughs> but so you, so you could either have that, and then we could, and then we could have all the mid majors like the Missouri Valley Conference, the MAC, the other ones that I'm unaware of their existence, and yes. the Big Twelve. Or we could smash it all into one week and try to and try to manage our mental health. I mean, I just want, but the, like, I want the tournament to start now. Like, I'm ready now. It's like now I have to go and like have a week. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Get into the MVC and get into. Well, the I'm, Mac. Gonna, I'm gonna watch it. I'm, I'm gonna watch all of it. Look, you can go to the Miac tournament in Norfolk. Look, look. Who cool. I may go to the Miac tournament. <laughs> like that's. How, I was looking at tournaments to go to because I was just like, I need what? I might go to the Virginia State High School Girls Championships if I can if they're close by. You guys are big Miac fans. I'm a big Miac fan, but I gotta say, matchings where my heart is. Yeah, Cleveland. <laughs> and we've immediately switched over to soccer. ESPN. Awesome. Right. So, great, great work. So sorry to get slightly back on track. In terms <laughs> of the ACC, Elisa Kune, um, Elizabeth Kitley. Um, Angel Reese, they are, these are not in the ACC. Should be in the ACC. Maryland's an That's ACC team. Wow. Yeah. They're an ACC These are, these sure. are, hell, even Notre Dame with Maya Dotson, these are teams that can go to their centers if there's a mismatch and they can say, cook, eat, mm-hmm. get, uh, get ISOs, get post-ups, we can get you the ball. The problem with UNC, like I said, Alyssa Ustby, great player, she's 6'1", their center is on you. If they are playing with a quote-unquote center, mm-hmm. um, barring the five minutes again that Malish Senge gets, they are... They are playing with a center who is six foot two or six foot three, probably six foot two, but it's only she looks. And Anya Poole, Anya Poole is solid on the boards. She knows where to stand on defense. She's not a player that can ramp up her usage at all. She she can barely really do much in the post up. Yeah. And that's an insult. There are players who who have who are who, who are who have roles. Rim runners, rim runners are valuable. That's a role. However, they UNC had no ability to take advantage of the fact that Virginia Tech just lost its best player. Mm-hmm. So UNC literally had no ability to change its game plan. Yeah. It had to attack in the exact same way. Yeah, and I, they don't have guards who get to the rim, so there was no challenging that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think the thing for UNC is like that has worked for them all year long, like playing that sort of small ball lineup. Matchup dependent. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for a lot of this season, that, that that's worked for them. I mean, they even jumped out to a big lead on NC State yeah. um, when they hosted them in Carmichael. Um, I think at halftime they were leading. 
Um, but yeah, I think you know we asked Courtney Banghart about this in the press conference. Um, you know, I, I think Kitley going out of the game kind of changed things for UNC because they had prepared for sort of to face one particular player and one particular type of team. And then when Kitley goes out, you know, Virginia Tech, as we just talked about, changed everything they were running mm-hmm. because they're used to running everything through Kitley. So I think that sort of caught UNC off guard a little bit. And then on the offensive end, they just, yeah, like I said, they just weren't really able to take advantage of, um, you know, Virginia Tech not having that presence inside. Um, yeah, they don't really have a player that they can put in and just, you know, throw the ball to her in the paint type of thing and, and ask her to go get buckets, um, which is interesting because I thought when she was a freshman, um, when she led the ACC in offensive rebounding, I thought Malou was a player who could become that, um, but she just hasn't yet. She, she was hurt last year. The minutes have kind of been inconsistent. Um, you know, UNC is sort of playing a style that – is really not, I think, conducive to her skill set. Um, you know, and that is yeah. what it is. UNC's been very good this year. Like I said, with the lineup they've had, they were sort of in contention to get one of the top 16 seeds. I think if they beat Virginia Tech and then, you know, show anything against State, yeah. right? They may have gotten that. Um, I don't. I don't think that's in the cards now, though. And UNC, much like a couple other teams in the ACC, most notably Duke, and. Uh, to a certain extent, Notre Dame after they lose my Dotson this year. These are teams that are really strong in their backwards. They have great guard play. And they, are te- they are teams that, you know, they are, they are among the, I would say, 10 best mm-hmm. on the recruiting trail at getting players to consider them for their finalists and, and to commit and get mm-hmm. in the door. These are those teams I mentioned, and uh, just for the, the purpose of this conversation, UNC, they're not getting size. They're not adding size this year. They're not adding size the next year. They are, th- they are UNC specifically has offered, I told you the other day, I believe they have offered literally half of the top 25 um, in, the cl- in the class of 24. We'll see what happens. But, but them, yeah. like Duke, got to be praying for a single good body at center because that's the difference. Yeah, it's a transfer portal. Yeah, I think for UNC, the the player who might play a lot in the paint and the post and also on the wing, I mean, she's a talented – she was a really talented recruit before she got hurt, um, is Tiani Key. Um, I mean, before she got hurt, you know, if you went to UNC's website and kind of looked at their the picture of their roster, them all kind of standing together, it was – very obvious that Tiani he was the tallest player there. Um, she's got to be six four or six five. She's I don't, yeah, well, she's listed at that. But if you look at that picture, she's That's she's taller point. than that. Um, and she was and she was recruited as and she was recruited as basically a big wing, the yeah. same way that Angel Reese was recruited. So, mm-hmm. so that's the system. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see kind of how she fits in next year and, and how that goes. But you know, UNC ha- has this tournament in front of them now, and you know, like I said, this this style that they've played has worked for them. You know, they've beaten Louisville. They've really they've only lost to a total of four teams this year. Um, they've lost to Georgia Tech. They lost to NC State. They lost to Virginia Tech, and they lost to. Who's the other one I'm forgetting? Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, yeah, they went on undefeated in a conference play. Um, and, yeah, you know, just hit a couple bumps in the road there in ACC play. But, yeah, I think they can give teams a lot of problems. If they're a team that, you know, if they make the Sweet 16, not a, yeah. not a surprise at all. They're definitely capable of that and, and, and have talent. I'll say in defense of, of UNC is, like, Virginia Tech got a lot deeper this offseason, and they kind of – once Kit, like when Kitley went down, they kind of turned into that team that we're talking about, UNC, and they just had more juice. They they, they hit their shots. UNC put left six points on the line. Uh, you know they shot sixty four percent from the free throw line. So that's that's a decider right there. 
and I think when you look at Virginia Tech, they they are really well equipped to go small with Emily Lytle, Deja Gregg, uh, Azana Baines. All those players played pretty well, especially Gregg. I thought she she played much better than she normally has. And like, I I really like Emily Lytle, and this is not a slight. I mean, this is a compliment. She is a flop machine. She is great at flopping. She's she's like a, a <laughs> if there was a flopper of the tournament award, she would have got it because I think she drew like. Five or six. I think fouls. she's kind of responsible for fouling Alyssa Usby out in overtime. Yes, yes, yes. Um, one thousand yeah. percent. And it was, in you know, she, there was contact, but she was flying. <laughs> so was I, 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 I would just like to ask both of you one question. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about how good Amar was and how she took and, and how and how well she attacked the rim. I recall specifically with I think like three and a half seconds on on the clock in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, she she was able to drive a hedge and then just got to the mm-hmm. rim and converted an in one between two bodies that were both more than four inches tall. Yeah. I'm just wondering, how did we get to overtime? Oh, uh, that'd be my girl, Eva Eva Hodgson, uh, the William & Mary transfer, one of my, the other alumni that I have from law school. Uh, she was there when I was when I was in my last year of law school, and then she hit her 50-40-90 season at William & Mary and then transferred out to UNC. Where this year she has been their most efficient uh, scorer by far. That's I asked I asked uh, Courtney Banghart this in the pre-tournament press conference about, you know, where where are they without Eva? And she was like, I don't I don't like this team without Eva. I and mean she was huge. It hit that big sorry, the point you're getting at is she hit a huge three to tie the game at the buzzer and UNC went crazy. Broken it was a broken play. They couldn't find the first option. Eva did come off Eva Eva was was supposed to set a screen for someone to dive. The dive wasn't mm-hmm. there. Eva instead took it as a flare. Asia Shepard expected the dive. She stepped in. She lost she lost Eva Hodgson mm-hmm. on that, and when she turns around, she's six feet behind her, behind the arc, and the shot's up. Yeah, Eva... Um, right at the buzzer. You know, one of the few games that UNC has lost this year was the loss at Notre Dame by, I think, five points, and Eva Hodgson did not play in that mm-hmm. game. Um, and Courtney has talked about that a lot, about how they, they really need Eva. And really, I think I mentioned this to him the other day, if Diamond Johnson is not in the ACC this year, Eva is probably your sixth yep. player of the year. Yep. Um, just super valuable to UNC. I mean, when you see their lineup in crunch time... Eva's on the floor, so she doesn't start, but yes, she's absolutely one of the two or three most valuable players to that team, um, along with Utsby and Kelly and um, what they do. But yeah, she... Yeah. Um, I, Shouts I'm to Deja Kelly, too. She had some big shots. Looking forward to watching her yeah, next year, too. Um, you, yeah, UNC, just on just on how I learned the name Eva Hodgson, beyond, you know, just being, a, being an, uh, an ACC media poll voter, I learned her name in the preseason, but specifically how I learned her play. UNC started off its ACC schedule. They played Boston College around a little after Christmas. They were down, I believe it was 22 points entering the fourth quarter. They end up winning, obviously, because Mitchell mentioned what their losses yeah. are. And in the fourth quarter, Eva Hodgson, there was not a single Boston College player with their ankles intact after trying yes. to guard her. She got anything she wanted. She's her her ability on the ball is absolutely incredible. And she's she's super strong too. Like she bowled over some people. She actually caught some fouls um, because of that, and, and they cost them. But she was bowling over people. She's really strong. Um, I do need to take one more break to see how long we are into this podcast. So break. We're back, folks. And I just realized that we have gone uh, deep into this podcast. Shouts to Kentucky for giving us uh, a moment that I can clip here. Uh, but let's uh, let's go rapid fire through the rest of the teams in the tournament. Um, I'll start at uh, the first round, um, where we, we will have M and Mitch give a single thought. Marissa, you can chime in if you want to. Um, and if there are no thoughts, we, we can just move on. So we'll start with uh, the first team to lose, Syracuse. Any thoughts on Syracuse? 
uh, Syracuse needs a new coach, um, which they just announced recently that Von Reed, it seems like, is not long for the job. They announced a nationwide search. Really tough season for them after everything that happened that summer, this past summer. Um, so, yeah, nothing really more to say about them. Tough season. Happy they got a couple wins, you know, for, for the players that, that stuck around and came in. Uh, Tisha Hyman, very fun player. Yes. Depth, completely non-existent, as was apparent all season. And Priscilla Williams next year. Uh, I really hope that she takes 11 threes again because they are going to need that. So Syracuse. Uh, Priscilla Williams, by the way, injured, injured for the entirety of this year. Uh, she is just a big off-ball shooter. Uh, gap year for Syracuse. Uh, also, like, this has never been explained to me. Like, why is their mascot an orange? Oranges grow nowhere near uh, where the campus is. I just want to know if anyone has an answer. Why, why is it an actual orange? I think it's just that it was orange men. They decided that was not appropriate, and they just chopped it down. But what, what was the initial, like, why was it Orange Men in the first uh, Orange Men was, it was like we, a Native American. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never got that. Inappropriate, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, Syracuse. The Rue Stats podcast does not support racism <laughs> in any form. <laughs> so, shouts to the oranges of Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, we can go Next to team? the second team eliminated, which was Pittsburgh. Uh, I had a nice little, uh, dude, Lance White's fun. I like him. Uh, that's my thought. I, I cover Pitt pretty regularly. Um, they, you know, this core that Lance White has, the, his first recruiting class, they're going to be seniors next year, and I think next year is sort of a make-or-break year for Pitt. Um, they they got to figure some things out. They dismissed Jayla Everett, you know, three weeks ago. Um, she was their leading scorer. Really not sure what happened there. Um, but, yeah, they, they need to figure some things out. The thing that they were great at this year was rebounding. Um, I mean, top of top of the nation in, in rebounds, he's – statistics pretty much across the board so they got to hit the transfer portal i think white actually alluded to that in an interview earlier this week with the pittsburgh post gazette um talking about hitting the transfer portal and finding some pieces Mm -hmm. um so look out for that uh pit going off of your point on the rebounding their center for the past couple years rita bakwe underrated great defender just fun at the rim just a very excellent rim roller they have a i believe it is the Composite number one ten recruit coming in, and off ball guard is a Malcolm. They got her because she's from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no offense to their recruiting, but that's not a thing that they do very often. Mm-hmm. She's going to be fun. They have at least a talent. Hooray! Go hail to Pitt. Uh, Virginia, <laughs> who fired their coach immediately after this game, uh, they lose to Wake Forest. They were the third team to go out. Um, the, Tina Thompson's gone. Thoughts? Um, Tina Thompson is gone. Um, yeah, Virginia. It's a massive rebuilding project. Um, the cupboard is pretty bare. They do have Mir McLean, a transfer from UConn. She played pretty um, well there. She played pretty well in these these last couple games. I think she kind of joined the team with about a month left to go in the season. And they got two regular season wins um, in the ACC over Pitt and Duke, which was good for them. Um, but the Tina Thompson thing just did not work at all. Yeah. Um, I tweeted this out, and it was in my story. You know, Virginia is, is a proud program. You know, since 1978 – before Thompson came, they had had two losing seasons. Under Tina Thompson, four straight losing seasons. Um, Tina Thompson inherited a team that had made the tournament the previous year. Um, they did not do that under her, obviously. She also had inherited a team with a WNBA draft pick in Jocelyn Willoughby. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, there's really not, not much more to say than it did not work. Um, 
they need to it's a massive rebuilding project but there's a lot of people um you know and coaches out there on coaching staffs and head coaches of some good mid-major teams who have connections to virginia so i'm very interested to see where they go if they try to get someone who connects back to that debbie ryan era or if they try to go with someone who has some connections in state or if they go a completely different route and then just just try to hire the best coach available basically i i can go in many directions with the um (laughs) with just one thought here, but I will simply say, if any of those uh, prospective coaches are listening to this podcast, I recommend, do not denigrate your job. Do not denigrate your job on the second day of your job. Do not not live in the city of your job. Do not denigrate the city in which your job takes place. Do not say to anyone with an earshot, and especially many fans and donors, do not say to them that you do not like your job and don't want to be there. That's my recommendation. These, these are things that Tina Thompson did. Just in case you didn't pick up. It, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, yeah, and, and Charlottesville is a lovely place most of the time. It's a nice place. Uh, it, it is, Generally it is speaking. Little, it is a little weird. I'll give it that. But <laughs> it's it's a nice place. So, uh, Virginia, uh, see you next year. Let's move on to the next, the second round. We've been, we've gone to the second round. Uh, going to Clemson, who got shellacked by Virginia Tech. Uh, Delisha Washington made second team. LACC. Second team because mm-hmm. she scored the most points of anyone in the tournament in two games. She was unbelievable, unbelievable in the in fifty-two the two games. total points. I think in two games, fifty-three. Fifty fifty-three total. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But regardless, uh, she was doing it by herself for the most part. Uh, Clemson. I mean, they, they had good moments. Uh, Amanda Butler's uh, post game was brief yeah. after that Virginia Tech game. For anyone not familiar, uh, Amanda Butler went to the post game press conference very quickly after the loss, and there were essentially no reporters in there um, because she got there ahead of all of them. Um, and because usually there is a there is a little bit of a gap. There's usually a ten minute leave. cooling off period. Um, Butler got in there. She gave an opening statement, and that was it. Um, so I'll just Clemson. I I I don't know what their future is. If I'm being honest, there's nothing really that I can point to and say, oh well, like they they have this player or they have that player who's going to be really good next year. Um, Delisha Washington is leaving. She's been in college for for quite a while, um, so she is finally done. Um, I don't I don't know what the positive the glaring positive for them to look forward to is. So they have some work to do on the recruiting trail and probably in the transfer portal as well. So, you know, just going off of that same thing, I will say that there is something to look forward to. Um, and so they are bringing in some pretty decent recruits the next couple of years. Uh, in this class, they are bringing in multiple top 100 recruits. They have mm-hmm. one ranked at 104. They have one ranked, I believe, within the top 25. We're talking composite board. These don't match up with the ASPN, but there's a lot of public sites. Um, I will eventually be publishing this once I get it up to date. But essentially, there are five very good public sites, and you're going to get a lot better of an idea of who the top recruits are if you average them all together instead of just looking at ESPN. Right. For, an, for example, ESPN did not rank future freshman, AP freshman of the year, Anissa Mara. Everyone else had her in their top 50. Right. So, you know, you might have to go composite. Anyway, Clemson. They have, they have a really good off-ball guard coming in out of, De- coming in out of Detroit. They have, they have a big with vaguely some actual size also coming in from Michigan. They have decent recruiting out of there. They're in contention with some players in the class 23. The problem is I don't think me or, me or Mitchell expect them to play for the same coach that they were recruited by. Here's the thing. Amanda Butler comes in objectively awful program, which took it over, and they started turning things around. They played, they played quite well last year. Uh, they, they approached 500 in conference. They got some good wins. They beat Duke uh, two years ago. 
in what was a very good win for them. I remember I was there, it was weird. They, something happened this year. We're not entirely sure. They had they brought in a very good two way transfer from Syracuse who got dismissed halfway into the season. They did they the uh, same thing happened with, with another good town on that team. The a five star transferred out in January. Mm-hmm. We don't exactly know what's going on there. Doesn't really reflect well on their future. Yeah, just a, a quick on the Amanda Butler resume. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if she's exactly on the hot seat just because I'm I don't know how much I mean Clemson is gonna have a new A D. I don't <clears> know if they've already made that higher. No. Um, but you know that so that A D will will assess some things. So that's one point is that a new A D is coming into Clemson. They might want to hire their own women's basketball coach. And the new A D is not going to be replaced. they're obviously not replacing Dabo Swinney, their football coach, but they're also not gonna not gonna be replacing their men's basketball coach who's been very successful in recent years. And A D is like any management. They usually don't like to come in with everyone under them already in place. Sure. Um, so Amanda Butler, since she got to Clemson, first year, 18-19, 20 wins. They made the NCAA tournament. They won one game there, which was great. That was awesome. Great first year. She won ACC Coach of the Year. Since then, 8 wins, 12 wins, 10 wins. Um, so not so great. So I think next year we, we need to see something that would indicate that Clemson is on the upswing. Um Instead of this sort of continued and not uh, sub recru- five hundred and, and not just on the recruiting trail has to no. come on. It has court to be on because the court. they have talent. Yes, that's the most uh, Clemson's been talked about on the Her Hoop Stats podcast this year. I'm sure you're welcome, Tigers. <laughs> Way to go, go Tiger! Oh no, that's the other one. That's LSU. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, Clemson. All right, uh, let's go to the next one. Is Boston College? Uh, this I I really like Boston College. I talked to uh, Joanna Burnaby McNamee on the Her Hoop Stats podcast a few weeks ago. Um, she's great. Uh, I really like Taylor Soul. I'm not sure if she's she, – I don't think she's able to make the, the conversion from being a power forward to being a small forward at the next level. Um, which, which, given her stature, she would need to do if she, she wanted to be a pro player. To, yeah, she's about six foot flat. Um, Cam Schwartz is really super-duper fun. They just lost to FSU because FSU is pretty good too. We'll talk about them in a second, but one thought on Boston College. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a ton to say about BC. Um, they're. I like watching them. They're really yeah. fun to watch. They. They had a good team this year. Um, I really like watching Cameron Swartz, who you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, I thought, um, you know, she would have been my pick if the media had a vote for this award, which we don't. It's only a coach's award for most improved player. Um, Cameron Swartz, really great year. Um, I just don't think they have an NCAA tournament resume, yeah. which it, it is what it is. Um, I hope they go to the WNIT and maybe win it. That would be fun. Mitchell took what I was going to say about their encore play. I will say that BC as a program, they have a very defined ceiling and a very undefined floor, which that's th- the latter one is not a good thing. No. They hired their coach, I believe, straight out of Albany? Uh, yeah, I should know that one. I, be- I believe so. She was wildly successful there. Uh, if I'm wrong, she was wildly successful at whatever other sort of American East level program. Yeah, she's at she Albany. Can- yes. So she, she was widely successful at Albany, but Albany is also an America East program, and America East is really one of the weaker uh, mid-major conferences when it comes to women's basketball. They've, she has done a wonderful job relative to Boston relative to Boston College. She finished fourth in the ACC. It might have been her first or second year, but that was the year that, that the pandemic canceled the, the uh, ACC tournament mm-hmm. and the, the NCAA. Yeah, and the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, they played the ACC tournament sorry, that year. Right. Yeah. And they knocked off three-seed Duke. Mm-hmm. I remember that very specifically. Yeah. They, for what she's doing there, re- recruiting's hard at BC. 
uh, winning is winning is hard at BC. She has gotten a level of talent, level of shooter, and a level of shooters that it's not you know it's obviously not tops of the AC in talent, but they fit perfectly what she wants to run. Some of them are graduating, but I, but what she has done as a coach, I think, has to inspire confidence if you are BC's AD or fans. Actually, uh, Charlie Cream has Boston College first four out, but obviously with UMass upsetting Dayton, that oh yeah kills a bit. I would exp- I would personally expect Dayton to get a to get an at large over BC, but we'll see. I think they probably should. I mean, yes, they should. Uh, you're right. I don't think BC has a, has a resume yeah. this year, but they the, the, it's it's the Miami thing too. Like Miami has is a little bit higher ceiling, I think. Yeah, yeah they should be a tier But you know, BC, if you get the kids to work hard and they and they play pretty well and they get some wins and they get some upsets, like that's what you're looking for. And she could totally do that. And I I really really enjoyed uh, watching them this year. Yeah. Okay, are we moving on? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right, moving on to uh, Duke, another team that lost in the second round. Uh, they did beat Pitt. Shide Wilson had an unbelievable game. And blew a kiss to the crowd. Blew a kiss it's to great. the crowd. She great has, showmanship. She has swagger. So I saw, she, she. I was watching the game again. She both hushed yes. the crowd. First hush, yeah. then when she hit the three... It was the kiss. She she gave the kiss. Uh, she said that was just a celebration. Which the, is a- the ACC coaches meeting. The, the ACC coaches freshman of the year does not lack for confidence and does not lack for raw talent. Mm-hmm. Well, Em, we'll, we'll go to you first. What, give me one thought on Duke, um, and and you know what, like what do you take from it? As I let off with, I am uh, the the beat reporter. I'm the lead beat reporter at Duke's Independent. Mm-hmm. Um, student paper. I would venture to say that there's nobody in the country who has covered this team closer than I have. That is not... If you've watched this season, you will know that's not a brag. <laughs> I am asking for I am asking for sympathy and donations to my therapist. <laughs> Duke, this season was weird. They brought in a bunch of talent um, out of the transfer portal, and a lot of it was very good talent. Mm-hmm. Um, Celeste Taylor came in from Texas. Her jump shot improved wildly at Duke, and she, and she was borderline all-tournament. She was borderline all-ACC honorable yeah. mention. They brought in other talents. Lexi Gordon ended up being streaky, but a very good shooter out of Texas Tech, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They brought a two-time All-Big 12 big out of Wisconsin. Big 10. Sorry, Big 10, thank you, out of Wisconsin. And she ended up playing about less than 100 minutes on the season on a team which, if they had just like an, like, like an All-ACC honorable mention mm-hmm. level of center, this is a team that would be yes. going to the tournament. This is a team that has been just confounding all season in that they let off with a bad win. They, in their non-conference, they had a bad win over Alabama. They had an excellent win over Iowa. They were the second closest margin of loss to South Carolina when South Carolina was a death star in its non-conference. Mm-hmm. Only one point worse than NC State against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. They entered their non-conference. They took a tough loss to Virginia Tech, but they were missing Shine Day Wilson in that loss and we know how good Virginia Tech is. We just talked about them. And then they beat Notre Dame. It was a thriller, and they beat Notre Dame by two points, and we know how good Notre Dame is. We talked about that. The thing is, since then, a few games later, they had some mixed results. Over their past, I want to say, 12 games, they are 4-8. and eight. Those Indeed. wins coming against Miami, when Miami was not very good. They got, they got a win against over UVA, in which they nearly blew a 12-point lead entering the fourth quarter. They lost to UVA. They were UVA's first conference win in over two, in over two calendar years, or nearly two calendar years, something along those lines. This is a team that, to say they collapsed on the stretch, would be an understatement. Would be an understatement. There are, pe- my, there, there are people close to the team, myself included, people close to the team, who have not seen a collapse like this ever. It's hard to say what happened, but... 
they have talent coming in by recruiting, much like UNC. They have a lot of young talent in the backcourt and at you know combo for a big wing. It'll be at least a year and a half until they get a bit, a good center in there, unless they're dipping into the portal. And we don't really know who's going to be in the portal this year. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will mention, the thing that has stumped me, and I noted this to Mitchell immediately after it happened, which was I asked in their press conference after that loss that we just talked about to Miami. I asked in their press conference. The classic closing line to, a play, to players, which is especially when they were playing with as many seniors as this team did, which was I asked Cheyenne Day Wilson or Celeste Taylor, whoever wanted to answer. I asked what it was like to have so many players that they had fought with, that they had bonded with mm-hmm. over this many months, especially since they started that off when the code restrictions were more severe, especially mm-hmm. Duke, they, were, they, were, they had become very tight-knit. And they talked about in the preseason how everyone was so tight-knit and how much they loved like, just the team that had come together. I asked what it was like to be losing so many players off of that and you know, knowing that the players you, you, they had fought yeah. so hard with, just they're not going to they're going to go their separate ways for pretty much ever in, right. it, within a matter of weeks. Taylor and Dave Wilson immediately looked at each other and briefly smiled at each other. Yeah. That was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Shine mm-hmm. yeah. Wilson, you know, answered. She talked about you know good talent coming in from the yeah. freshmen and possible transfer. She didn't say transfer, but she said like other talent we might be yeah. bringing in. She didn't really mention anything about you know the emotional. She didn't really mention anything you know about the emotional aspect of losing people so I suspect there might be things going on and, on that team and the other thing was I don't know who asked about them going to Mitch I asked yeah about them going to the WNIT and I asked the players about going to the WNIT because having been to enough Duke press conferences this year I knew that if I asked Carol Lawson um, if they would be interested in going to the WNIT, that she would have told me to ask the players. So it's a very, it is a very player feedback run um, sort of organization. Yes, and when famously, kind of when they canceled their season, um, this the season before when they canceled their season due to COVID, um, it's it's been said and reported over and over again that that was a player decision, a full team decision. So Kara is a I coach that that very much lets her team make decisions. So I asked the players, would you be interested in playing the WNIT? Cheyenne Day Wilson was like, yeah. Um, you know, if the NCAA tournament, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but if it doesn't happen, then, yeah, we would explore another opportunity to play in the postseason. Uh, Celeste Taylor, a bit more muted, was sort of just kind of like, we'll make that decision as a team. Um, so I'm not sure if everybody there is on the same page um, was my takeaway from that. I agree. I agree. All right, we we we'll move on from Duke. Well, no, we're moving on from Duke. It was one thought. We got it. We got way into Duke, which I kind of figured was gonna happen. Uh, Wake Forest. Shouts to Jules Spear. Any anything? Uh, no, Jules Spear um, is wearing a boot though. Yeah. Um, and Jen Hoover mentioned that her and uh, one other player whose name escapes me. You can just say it. Sorry, Olivia Summy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, her. Um, they were both playing uh, injured. Um, yeah, she played with a broken wrist. Um, and with Jules, a broken wrist? Yeah, she, she played with a broken wrist, and I and unless Kunain had more rebounds than I thought in that championship game, uh, ended up leading the ACC in total in, uh, rebounds. Yeah, and in, in the tournament. Yeah. Sorry. She also had a big shot, so it was turned into that. Yeah, just so, game late. Yeah, Jules Spear led the conference in scoring. Um, doesn't seem like the foot injury is serious, um, but yeah, they need more talent. Um, they they need to do something next year and put some pieces around Jules Spear and get her into more postseason games because more people deserve to watch yeah, Jules Spear. That's my takeaway. She's awesome. Uh, one thought. The game they lost, which is their opening round game against Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. or sorry, second round game against Georgia Tech, 
That game finished one point, sh one point shy. They loaded my Lotnin made free throw with five seconds on the clock. One point shy, tying the ACC tournament record for the fewest points scored in the game. Uh, Georgia Tech was up something like eighteen to six in the middle of the second quarter when the best, <laughs> when easily the best player on the floor, Lorella Kubai, their big, who was uh, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Coaches vote on that. Media doesn't. AC Defensive Player of the Year. She was ACC first team. She was obviously all defense. Uh, she went down hard. She hit her. She fell. She hit her chin on the floor. She had to leave, get stitches or whatever. And she did not. She actually didn't even return to the text uh, sideline until the middle of the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. After she went down, I would describe experiencing that game as sort of trauma bonding. Yeah. It was. It was very. It was one of the worst games I've ever I, seen. I noped out of there. I had to preserve my body for the rest. Yeah, I thought the Pitt Duke game on day one of this tournament was um, the ugliest basketball I had seen this year. Yeah. No, nope. Georgia Tech Wake took the cake. Um, I think Wake Forest finished the game shooting sub twenty percent from the floor. Mitchell and I simply kept looking at each other in the fourth quarter and laughing. All right, moving on from Wake Forest. Good. See you next year. Okay, uh, we talked about North Carolina. We're on the quarterfinals now. Uh, Florida State, Morgan Jones, super fun. Mm -hmm. Anything else on FSU? I don't know if they're a tournament team or not. Um, if they are a tournament team, I don't know that they would be a very good one. They've had their fair shares of kind of ups and downs this year as, as Sue has come back. Um, their roster is kind of weird to me. Um, I, they're just one of those teams that they're, they're very well coached, um, and they can surprise some teams, but then they can also just kind of lay eggs sometimes. Um, so I, I don't know if they're a tournament team or not. We'll see what the committee decides. and then. Florida State is probably the deepest team in the ACC, in my opinion, just in terms of players that can and will play and give you quality minutes and belong on a Power 5 court. The problem is that none of that talent is truly, is truly that that incredible. Mm -hmm. Morgan Jones, I think I had a like sixth or seventh on my all ACC ballot, but aside but aside from her two way talent, and she's not gonna take over a game just by herself. Yeah. Aside from her two way talent, you're looking at a lot of role players and it took them really until January, middle of January, to figure out even how they wanted to run that rotation. They're still figuring out their post um, their post like Kai Gillespie era. Um, they had three incredible seniors graduate um, at in the after the after the the year right before the pandemic, they're still trying to place them. They have really good talent. I expect it to work out in the long term. Um, just right now, it's a little bit of growing pains. Yeah, uh, just one more point on floor to say, I like you just said, very talented roster, but don't really have that go-to player. Like it's very rare that they were able to make the case this year in an ACC game that they had the best player on the floor. You know, you could do that against a, a Pitt or a Clemson, maybe. Um, even but Clemson, at least yeah, Washington. but um, for the most part, you know, the other team always had the best player, and, and when you're kind of playing that game, it kind of puts you behind the eight ball a lot of the time. All right, see you next year, Florida State. Uh, also, your hor the horse mask. So Florida State went from a guy dressed as a Native American, which was obviously messed up, uh, to a horse dressed as a Native American. I don't understand how it's better. As a quick aside, the horse is not dressed as an American. The horse is simply in Florida State colors. Well, it has war paint. It has war paint. Sometimes you put war paint on your horse. I, I will just <laughs> I will say I don't think the horse is dressed up as a Native American. Okay, that's, that's we fair. don't we don't have to have that. We FSU don't need to problem. litigate that. We don't need to litigate FSU at the moment. Um, Either way, they do some racist shit and they do the and they do the, the Tom Hawk shock way too much because anything more than none of the time is way it, too it, much. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I I have deep disdain for Florida State, even though I love going there and I like most of the people I've met for Florida State. I have a deep disdain for the program, but we only get into that. All right, last team, Georgia Tech, as you mentioned, Lorella Kabai uh, went down. She slammed her chin 
onto the ground. Uh, she had to get stitches. I've actually had that injury because the day before kindergarten, I jumped on, jumped off a bar stool and landed directly on my chin. It still hurts. Um, I have a scar, a very faint scar here from all the stitches I had to get. Do not recommend. Uh, I would not recommend it. Uh, she did come back, though, in... Uh, that was in the Florida State game. I mean, that was in the Wake Forest game. She came back in the Notre Dame game. Clearly was not 100%. Not it, close. Not close to 100%. And uh, as we saw, they absolutely need her to be a functioning basketball team. Georgia Tech does. So one thought on Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has um, no guard depth, um, and it's a problem. Um, I mean, just really across the board, like their their depth is a problem. And – I'm just not sure they really ha- have the the roster this year to compete in the NCAA tournament. They're absolutely going to the NCAA tournament. I just think matchup-wise, um, it's going to be tough for them unless they can kind of get their mojo back a little bit and do what they've done a couple times this season, which is kind of force teams to play their way and slow them down mm-hmm. and kind of grind away at them with players like Kubai and Hermosa and Stroutman um, and just, you know, basically pound the ball inside and make it really slow and muck the game up. That, that's what Georgia Tech does best. Um, but they need Kubai at her best to be able to do that. Combo guard, Ilya Love. That's a name to know. Yep. She is their soft, she, she is sophomore starter for them, and because she is a starter for Georgia Tech, she plays like almost the entire game. <laughs> but that being said, sophomore took a huge step forward this year. Um, she, would, she would probably be my most approved player if we voted on that. She has become a shoot the really the presence both on and off the ball in terms of being able to get her own shot and convert from three that Georgia Tech so dearly lacked last year and turned them into a team that you know was upset or nearly upset I forgot exactly which in the first round of the tournament in a very ugly manner she's named to watch again sophomore still improving very good on both sides of the ball it's she's fun so I forgot one program that we have to give one thought about um, it's a very forgettable program. You know, they've barely even heard of them. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Some little Catholic school. In South a little, speaking of racist mascots. <laughs> the leprechaun sucks, man. I don't care. He, I, I, M, M did bring up the point that he is, uh, he is problematic, to say the least. But their mascot is sucks. Their, last, their mascot is literally just a nationality and then a racist stereotype. And he sucks. He's so annoying. I hate... Florida State, Duke, these are teams that I playfully, uh, not teams, programs. I, don't, I actually really like all of the teams in, in the conference. I, I found joy in all, all of the players and the coaches. The program for Notre Dame, I have grand disdain for, and I'm sure everyone, a, a lot of people listening to this, share that. Um, however, I mean, the team is the team is awesome, honestly. Uh, I think Olivia Miles and Sonia Citrone, that is going to be a, a duo that can really, maybe not dominate the ACC, but you can build the boat out of those two, right? Um, and Miles, she just had some moments in this tournament where it was like, she's the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was really impressed by what we saw in Notre Dame. Also, Sonia Strong, just we were talking about this, like she's bigger than I thought she would, she would be in person. She's imposing. Uh, she's very imposing, and my thoughts, and obviously she's as imposing as I thought, thought she was, but she is really uh, just great, great-sized. That's a, 
that's a weird term to use. But anyways, one thought. Uh, we'll go to M first. No, we'll go to Mitchell first. Mitchell. Okay. Um, I think that uh, the slow starts um, are a problem for Notre Dame. Um, yesterday against Miami, Miami jumped out to a 12-4 to lead um, in the first quarter. Four points in the first quarter for Notre Dame. That is a problem, especially when you have um, arguably one of the best point guards in the country on your team. Um, and you have a really good post player in Matty Westbode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in general, Notre Dame should run more stuff through Matty Westbode um, and get her involved earlier in scoring and on the offense. Um, but, yeah, we've seen this from Notre Dame a couple of times now. We mentioned that Louisville um, game earlier, you know, where Louisville jumped out to that 40-3 to lead or whatever it was against them a couple weeks ago. Um, these slow starts are a problem. Notre Dame, like UNC, was another team – that was sort of in contention to be a top 16 seed. Um, Neil Ivey seemed optimistic that that was still the case. Um, I actually asked Charlie Krem if if he was if Notre Dame was still in position for a top 16. He doesn't seem to think so. I don't really think so either. Um, you know, Notre Dame's beaten some good teams. They beat NC State. We know what their potential is. Um, we also know what can happen when things don't exactly go their way. So. Again, consistency. We need that from Notre Dame for them to be effective in the tournament. As you said with Maddie, let me give two thoughts real quick. The first one, as you said with Maddie Westbelt, this is a team with so much talent, they actually don't even know how to best utilize the talent that they ran the entire team through last mm-hmm. year. Maddie Westbelt, I believe she was the co-freshman of the year. And if you look at her numbers with respect to other players at her height, at her position, absolutely incredible playmaking, yeah. playmaking shooting ability on and off the dribble um, last year, just as a freshman. They need to get more involved this year and she was arguably their best player in the tournament. Uh, yes. Just in terms of holistically, uh, the, the two games they played here. Th- that just speaks to the amount of talent that they have that didn't even really feature this year. They have a five-star big or center, six foot five. I don't know whether she was supposed to be a redshirt freshman this year or not. Her name is uh, Natalie Marshall. Um, that was the player that we really thought that their center position would hinge on, which they really needed because they tried to run two like weak defensive forwards at center last year and it's a disaster Marshall didn't end up playing we know what happened with Dotson that's history but Marshall's going to be healthy next year they're losing Darren Mabry and Dotson of course mm-hmm. uh, but they're bringing but they're but they're replacing Mabry with the composite number 16 freshman in the well, class maybe Mabry has a fifth year maybe does have a fifth year we that's don't know yet point. we don't know yet either way they are bringing the composite number 16 player in the country an off-ball guard a point guard out of Cincinnati named KK Bransford He's supposed to be a very good shooter supposed to be a very fluid, fluid athlete and that's just going to add to the amount of talent they have they played with essentially like a six-and-a-half-man uh, roster this year, mm-hmm. uh, and so it is going to be very fun there. Just my, sec- my second thought real quickly is I voted Neil Ivey for Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was incredibly close between her, between Kenny Brooks, Jeff Waltz, and I thought Courtney Banghart was right there. The Katie Meyer shade. Sorry. I saw their conference record. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> a fair point. I thought you, know, you, you couldn't go wrong with any of them, but I gave it to her specifically just because they had to integrate um, – just such a young talent and they and such a short bench and one of their starters for most of the year until Citron was ready to start one of their starters literally played defense and screened and rebounded and couldn't do anything else at like yeah. six at like five ten which is it's, it's it's hard and they still made it work and I give Ivy a lot of credit for that especially given how awful defensively they were last year I think that you know they're going to get deeper next year but I think just the fact that you have two names I just said like Notre Dame still, I think, like like Virginia Tech's mm-hmm. um, Kenny Brooks. At Duke, Carol Lawson is really building. We talked about this. I talked about this before, but like their recruiting is at Duke is has turned around really quickly. The conference 
was run forever by Muffin McGraw. Mm -hmm. um, it was run forever by uh, She Who Shall Not Be Named at UNC. Mm -hmm. It was run by Gail Gostinkers and Joanne P. McCallie at Duke. It was it was run for a little bit by or uh, at Florida State they used to be a little bit better you know maybe a decade yeah. ago Sue Sam Rao. They're still some of those teams are still in contention. Westmore Jeff Jeff Waltz are going to be still winning AC championships after this year, but the fact that we ha here have names and people like Neil Ivey like Kenny Brooks yeah. and like Kara Lawson who are going to be in contention and are going to help run this conference for the foreseeable future I think speaks to the growth both growth both of the game and the ability of this conference to reflect that. I, I agree. And I think every, also all these coaches are awesome interviews, so uh, really fun for us as media. Um, and again, shouts to the ACC for putting on a great show. Uh, as all of my podcasts ends, it's because we went too long, and so now we just kind of have to ski-daddle out of here. Um, everyone mentioned their uh, Twitter names at the top. You can follow us, Her Hoop Stats, um, and we will be, to, everyone's tagged in the Twitter posts promoting this and uh, we have to get out of here because I need to drive like an hour and a half into the mountains to get home before darkness hits because there's no street lights up there um, so for uh, Mitch, for M, for Marissa thank you so much for joining us uh, hopefully we can do this again in the Greensboro Regional uh, which will be the which will be what in like two weeks? Three weeks? Two weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Because uh, we have the, the gap week. Uh, so yeah enjoy the Big 12 tournament and uh, we hope you enjoyed our SEC live reaction. Um, and we, we're not going to hit the, the Big Ten. So that's that, guys. Uh, thank you, and we will talk to you soon.